when we watch the news on TV or listen to it on the radio, when we pick up the newspaper, when we turn on the internet to try to garner some information about the news, about what's happening. Just within recent weeks, there's been all kinds of troubling things in the news, and I know you're aware of so much of it. You know, terror plots. We're hearing about terror plots all the time. Some of them are are being carried out, and people are dying. Others, we understand, are being interrupted on a regular basis. The terrorists would be doing a lot more if it weren't for the fact that a lot of attention is being paid to try to anticipate their efforts and stop them. But there's all kinds of trouble and about terror and terrorists. There's civil unrest in our own country. Riots and protests and, you know, the, the biggest part of these protests and riots that we hear about are, are being conducted about things that probably don't deserve that kind of reaction at all, but they're just a lot of commotion and carrying on. Violent crimes of every sort. And then, of course, uh, the recent Supreme Court ruling about same-sex marriage. You know, what a terrible, awful thing. And then, on top of that, uh, those who oppose those sorts of measures, same-sex marriage, those of us who oppose that, we're being labeled as bigots and racists. And, and, and amazingly, some religious organizations are endorsing that sort of thing and going along with it. We're just wondering, what's going on here? Abortion. If abortion itself is not a bad enough thing, now in the news, all in the news lately has been Information about them selling body parts from the babies that have been aborted. If you can imagine such a horrendous, despicable thing as that. Uh, what about legalization? I wrote down a whole bunch of notes. Legalization of marijuana in how many states now? Probably going to be nationwide before long. Uh, efforts to rewrite our nation's history. It just seems like things are completely upside down. How have we gotten in this mixed up state of affairs? What's going on anyway? And even more troubling than what's currently going on, we, we wonder what could happen in the future. What might happen? Could something really big take place? Could our whole society collapse? You know, people are talking along those lines and wondering if that could be the case. Well, you know, the Bible describes a time which wasn't, I think, that much different than our own. Jacob read about it a few minutes ago from Judges chapter 2. In Judges chapter 2, beginning verse 8, it says, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died. And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies." The key expression here is that a generation arose which knew not the Lord. I'll tell you, I believe that's probably a fairly fitting description of things in our day and time. We're living in a day when people do not know the Lord. And so we wonder, what could happen to us? What might be in our future? Could really bad things take place? And even more so, we wonder, how could we prepare for evil days that might come our way. We want to talk about that in our lesson tonight, preparing for potential evil days, bad things that might be on the horizon, something awful that could happen in the future. How can we prepare? We'll talk about that in a minute. We stop here just to thank you for being back on Sunday evening for another hour of worship.
Uh, we have a, uh, had a great day, a beautiful day uh, in Middle Tennessee, and we are really privileged to be able to be coming back here. You know, think about all the things that make it possible for us to be here on this night, and we should be thankful for them all. We're glad that you're here. We're grateful for our visitors. Thanks for coming our way. Come back whenever you can. How are we going to prepare for the potential of evil days? You probably have heard about people who are identified by the word preppers. They are preppers. They are making preparation. And there are some people who are working very hard because they think that something really bad is coming down the pike, that something really horrible could happen. And so they're busy making preparations for that sort of thing. And so uh, they're storing up food and water and making provisions for what they could do maybe to survive if everything came tumbling down. Preppers. Well, I'll tell you, I think that's okay. I think that's, that's just fine. If, if people are inclined to do that, that's fine. But my suggestion to you is far more important than making preparations for our physical well-being in an evil day. It's more important for us to be spiritually ready in, in regards to anything that might happen in the future. Spiritual preparation is very important. So what can we suggest from the Bible that might get us ready if something bad really does transpire in the future? Well, first of all, I would suggest to you that we need to remember that God has always had faithful people, even in the very darkest days. There have been those faithful ones of God. Do you remember Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19? In the previous chapter, uh, Elijah had that very famous confrontation uh, with the, the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And, of course, Elijah was victorious in that contest because God was with him. But immediately after that happened, Jezebel, who, of course, was all in favor of the worship of Baal, and now all the prophets of Baal have been killed, Jezebel says to tell Elijah, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be like one of them. You're going to be dead. I'm after you. I'm going to get you. And Elijah, of course, had every reason to believe that she would carry out her threat, so he fled. Uh, and in 1 Kings 19, at verse 14, when God confronted him, Elijah said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. I have, But God said to him, I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. So Elijah was inclined to think, I'm the only one, man. Everybody else has gone astray. I'm the only one still left. He's trying to faithfully serve God. And God basically said, no, that's not true. God knew there were others. In fact, interestingly, God even knew the number of those who were still faithful to him. Elijah, though he felt alone, was not really alone. And, and so he was being comforted with the idea that there are others who are also trying to take this stand for what is right. Elijah wasn't alone. The Apostle Paul apparently felt particularly threatened when he was in the city of Corinth in Acts chapter 18. Although Paul had been through a lot of bad stuff, a lot of persecution, a lot of hardship, the Lord saw fit to give him a special word of comfort in Acts chapter 18 as he was laboring in Corinth. The Lord spake to Paul in the night, Acts 18 verse 9, the Lord spake to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall sit on thee to hurt thee. Notice, for I have much people in this city. There were others. Paul felt alone, felt threatened, felt something bad could potentially happen. 
But God said, no, there are others. Uh, you are not alone. I think that's a comforting thing for us. We are blessed to know many other people who are attempting to faithfully serve God. And so, just like it has always been, even when times were very, very bad, there were faithful people of God. That's the way it is now. And so we, we should take some consolation in that. And, and we're not like Elijah out there on the mountain feeling all alone. We're right here in the midst of many others who are trying to serve God faithfully. And we, t- we can take consolation from that. But having said that, we would go further to say we just need to go ahead and accept the reality that many, many people are going to follow the easy path to destruction in the future, in time to come. Most will not be faithful to the Lord. Many will go away. Many will do the wrong thing. Jesus said that. In Matthew chapter 7, beginning verse 13, Jesus said, Enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. That's not us saying that. That's not our prediction or anticipation of what might be the outcome of things. Jesus said that. Jesus is the one who said that the minority will be saved. The majority will be lost. But you know, the fact of the matter is, it's always been that way. Uh, it, those words of Jesus were not revealing something new. It's always been true that the majority goes the easy way to destruction and only a, a minority will be faithful to God. We need to accept that times haven't really changed in that regard. It's still going to be a minority that does the right thing. Most will go the, the way that leads to destruction. So what can we do? If evil days come... There's been lots of evil days in the past. There's been lots of really tough times for God's people in the past. But there have always been those who've been faithful. The majority goes the wrong way, but there's always been those who have been faithful. So what can we do? Well, I want to encourage that one of the most important preparations we can make for bad days coming is to teach our family and friends God's truth. You know, there's not much that we can do on the world stage uh, there's not much that we can do in Washington, D.C. There's not much we can do in Nashville, Tennessee to try and affect the outcome. The truth of the matter is there's not even very much we can do at the courthouse in Murray County. The fact of the matter is we don't have a lot of influence to be able to change things on a grand scale. But I tell you where we can change things and where we can make an, an awesome difference, and that is with our own family and with our own friends. We have an influence. We have an influence on our, on our families. We have an influence on our sphere of influence among our friends. We need to use that. Go back again to where we were reading in Judges about the days of Joshua. Notice the son of, the Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord died, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works he had done for Israel. Concentrate on this. There arose another generation that knew not the Lord. Well, think about that for a minute. Why was that? Why did this generation come up that did not know the Lord? Well, it had to be because their their fathers and their forefathers hadn't taught them. Why would they not know the Lord? Well, because the previous generation hadn't taught them to know about God and to fear God. Moses had instructed the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning verse 6, he said, These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. 
That's what they were supposed to be doing. And the fact that this generation arose, which knew not the Lord, it proves that they hadn't been doing that. They just hadn't been taking care of that important business. And so that's why this generation came along that didn't know God. We can't afford to let that happen with our children. And we've got to be busy teaching them. The most important assignment you have, parents, is the one stated in Ephesians 6, verse 4. Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You've got a lot of important things to do. This is your most important job. If you have children, teach your families. Teach your families. And then, of course, expand that. Teach all who are in your sphere of influence. We can't affect things. We have very, very little voice in Washington, D.C. or Nashville, Tennessee, but we have a voice in our own house. And we can teach our children. We have a voice in our immediate community with our neighbors. We can talk to them. Do what you can to teach those that you can teach, especially your families. That's so very important as we think about preparing for potential bad days, which may be hit. Something bad, something really bad could happen. What do you want for your family? Well, what we should want for our families is that they'd be safe and secure with God, no matter what happens in this physical life. I would also suggest we need to be building strong relationships with righteous people. Right here, right here are the best people. Uh, God's people are the best people in the world. God's people are the best people in this community. Right here, among our number, these are the best people. I would encourage you that you need to really get close. You need to build positive, encouraging, helpful relationships with faithful brethren. Uh, there, there wouldn't be anything more helpful than that in a bad day. Build close, positive, encouraging, helpful relationships. I'm discouraged to think that all too often we don't concentrate on that as the people of God. All too often we tear one another down. We discourage one another rather than build each other up. And we need to work on that. In an evil day, we're going to need one another more than ever. And that, and so it's, it's important for us to build strong, positive relationships so we have that resource to draw on if something bad does happen. Even if something bad doesn't happen, we need each other. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, Paul says, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. We can work on that. We can do better about that, and we should, because we'll need that in days to come. Build strong relationships with righteous people. Let me suggest to you that we need to take a stand uh, and speak up for God. You know, there are a lot of opportunities out there to be teaching people. I mean, just a lot of opportunities. Uh, maybe you're sitting at the coffee break table at work, or maybe you're talking across the fence with your neighbor, having some other interaction in the community, and somebody that somebody that you're talking to says, well, you know, the Bible says, judge not to be not judged. And that may be the, one of the very few Bible verses they know at all, but they know that one, and they're misusing that one. Don't be ashamed to speak up and say, well, you know, what it really says is that we're supposed to judge righteous judgment and go on and explain to them, you know, this popular notion of don't make judgments is misguided. It's not accurate. It's not true the Word of God. There's an open-door opportunity to teach someone. 
take advantage of such opportunities. Or, or, or someone says, well, you know, God's, God is, God's a loving God. God God's not going to punish anybody just because he's just too loving to ever do anything like that. Well, you can say, there's, somebody has just opened the door for you. And you can say, well, you know, actually, although God is a loving God, he also has explained through Jesus that love for him involves obeying his commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, verse 15. And so you can do, you can teach. You, you have that opportunity. There are all kinds of opportunities like that. And in kindness and calmness and love, we need to speak up for the Lord. Now, we should not be ashamed to proclaim His message. We are surrounded by lost people. We need to speak up for God. We need to take a stand. In regards to some of those horrible, immoral things that are happening in our in our society, we need to let people know that the Bible plainly denounces homosexuality, same-sex marriage. The Bible clearly condemns the taking of an innocent life by abortion. These are times to stand up and speak. Let our influence, such as it is, let our influence be known. Uh, we should speak up. Don't be ashamed. We have the truth that can make men free. And we need to be ready to say what needs to be said. In Psalm 119, verse 46, the psalmist said, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. I don't care who it is. President Obama walked in the back door. We should not be ashamed to tell him what the truth of God is, or anybody else for that matter. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, you remember this famous statement. By the way, Arthur suggested... We're, we're late getting the new memory verse up, and Arthur's, Arthur, just before services, suggested to me this would make a good memory verse. So this is going to be our memory verse for August. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Oh, now, wait a minute, Paul. Paul, you have been in a ton of trouble already. You need, Paul, come on, man, tone it down. Tone it down. You've, you've already been a lot of uh, uh, trouble. And as you keep going like you've been going, you're going to be in a whole lot more trouble. Paul, you just keep poking the hornet's nest. You just, you just keep stirring things. Keep it down, Paul. Don't, don't speak out so boldly. No. No. Paul wouldn't do that, would he? He would, because he was not ashamed. And he was going to continue to stand up and speak up for God. You know, actually, Jesus warned us that we better be willing to do that. In Mark 8, verse 38, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Jesus said, Be ashamed of me now. I'll be ashamed of you later. And that's a serious warning. And so for all of us, take a stand. Take it now. And if days get more horrible in the future, if something bad happens, we still got to take that stand for God we got to speak up for what is right. And then, finally, let me suggest to you that we can need to just make up our minds now that we will be, that we will continue to be faithful to the Lord and serve Him no matter what. That's what we do. We're Christians. We're children of God. We're disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. Irregardless of what happens or what may be in the future, we just need to have our minds made up now that we're going to continue to faithfully serve God. That's how I think 
we prepare for whatever might happen. No matter what happens, our, our minds are already made up. Our determination is already set. And so if that, so if you're inclined to store up food or water, if you're inclined to build, build up supplies for something really bad that might happen to you, that's, that's fine. I don't have any problem with that at all. I'm, I'm personally inclined that that's probably a very good thing to be doing. But I tell you what, far more important than that is to prepare ourselves spiritually to be faithful to God no matter what. You know, there have been hard times. God's people have faced hard times all through history. I think we're really spoiled in the, in the sense that we've never had to face really hard times. But God's faithful people have all through the ages. God's faithful people have faced really hard times. In Hebrews chapter 11, we read about some of that. With me, these verses that you already know in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning verse 36. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had, tri- had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts, in mountains, and in dens, and caves of the earth. Who were these people? Who's he talking about? You know, that, that almost sounds like the doomsday kind of predictions that some people are making about what could happen to us. Who were those people anyway? Well, those were God's faithful people of old. What did they do? They endured. They continued to faithfully serve the Lord. Was it hard? I want to say that was really hard. When you think about being tortured, scourgings, bonds and imprisonment, sawn asunder, slain with the swords, wandering about in deserts, that sounds pretty hard, doesn't it? That sounds like evil days. That could happen. Uh, my my thinking is that it probably won't happen to us, but it could happen to us. And no matter, we need to be ready for that. And look at the look at the verses that immediately follow that description. That's right at the end of Hebrews chapter eleven, and chapter twelve begins. Remember those chapter and verse designations are very arbitrary, and I think here's probably where they made a bad division. He just talked about all those faithful people who endure, who endured really really tough times. And then he says to us, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Who are the witnesses? The people he just described in the previous verses, right? Seeing we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Notice this. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. That's us, right? Now, maybe we've tried, maybe we, maybe we've met some real obstacles in our efforts to serve the Lord. And maybe those obstacles could get more and more intense. Maybe it could get harder and harder. But we haven't resisted unto blood. We haven't been shedding any blood yet over this. So we've had it easy, a lot easier than a lot of people who've served God in the past. And it might become the case that we would shed blood for the cause of Christ. Uh, again, my thinking is that probably won't happen. Uh, but we need the mindset of those great people of, of old, those faithful servants of God who through the centuries did whatever was needed, no matter what circumstances they faced, 
our familiar memory verse in Revelation 2, verse 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. To those seven churches of Asia. Now, here's a message directed specifically to those Christians of the first century. And the Lord said, I know bad things are happening. And there's going to be some more bad things happen. But he says, no matter what happens, be thou faithful unto death. This is the King James rendering. And I think some of the other translations maybe use the word until death. But I actually think the word unto death is probably the stronger message here. You be faithful, not just until you die, but you be faithful even if it means that it causes your death. You be faithful unto death. You be willing to die for the cause. I think is the suggestion of the statement there. That's the way we ought to be. And we need to have our minds made up right now. What's going to happen in the future? I can't make that prediction. You can't either. Nobody really can. I'll tell you, there's some, some dark clouds on the horizon. Things do not look good for us in, in this, in this world and in our country and in our culture. And this society becomes more and more wicked and corrupt. I tell you, there's some really dark clouds on the horizon. I'm, I'm pessimistic, honestly, about the future. But no matter what, we prepare for that by drawing strength from what God has always had. He's always had faithful people. Throughout even the darkest days, He's had faithful people. Many are not going to go that way. We'll be in the minority if that happens. But we need to teach our family, our friends. We need to build strong relationships with each other. We need to take a stand, speak up, not be ashamed, and just keep on keeping on. I think that's how we prepare for whatever might come. Now, I'm not, I'm certainly not making the prediction. I don't want anybody to leave here saying, oh yeah, well the preacher said, you know, everything's about to come tumbling down. I don't know that. I can't make that prediction. But I want to tell you, it could. It could and it could happen sooner rather than later. I just don't know, and neither do you. But the bottom line is, we need to be ready for anything by having our hope and trust and confidence in God and our determination strong to do His will no matter what. Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say. We're going to sing a song of invitation. As we sing this, we'll be asking everyone, consider your life, make sure you're right with God, because in the final analysis, nothing else matters except that. So, uh, if you're not a Christian, become one by obeying the simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. If you're a Christian already, but you're not being faithful, come back to Him. You need to get that relationship right. You have this opportunity now to do that. If you need the prayer of the saints, let us know. We'd be glad to help you in any way while we stand and sing this song.